0: Welcome to another episode of the Sparring Partners podcast. Uh, My name is Cody McKinley, and as always, I'm joined by Mr. Brad Jones. Yo, what up? Uh, We have uh, just ended a 12-day celebration of the New Year's, as is customary uh, in our community. Um, What community that is? Do your own research. But today we're here to talk about mixed martial arts, as we always do on Sparring Partners podcast. Um, Brad, how was your 12 day celebration of the new year?
1: Um, It was very fun in the beginning, and then it got very boring. Um, And now, ready to kick the boringness and rev up some fights.
0: That's how I felt today as well. I was, um, you know, I was hanging out today because I'm off uh, from work and you know I was sitting around I was hanging with hanging with my cat and my other two cats as well and my dog and uh I was thinking man I don't have to start on those prelim previews yet and then I realized I did so I did that mostly all day today so nice working on the working on the preview three in one week man it's uh it's a lot. It's a lot of fights. It's fun watching tape, um, but sometimes it's not so fun. There's a certain, there's certain fights, man. Uh, watching footage for them, that I'm just immediately disinterested. Yeah. It's just the talent. The there's a there's a couple fighters. Um, one of which is three and five. In their ufc career and the other is oh and three in their ufc career um
1: well, that just sounds like it's gonna be a banger uh
0: if either uh if either athlete wants to keep their job it better be because okay. i don't know i mean the one who's three and five i'm not sure how she's still in the <laughs> ufc i mean like genuinely i yep. don't i don't know but um yeah, not elite, but you know it is elite. The PowerPoint for this week, um, oh, yeah. a staple of the Sparring Partners podcast. No more, no more, just going around on the frickin' uh, well. If my if my my toolbar would go away, then it would look even better. Um, there we go. Now, no nope, Jesus. Okay, all right. There we go. So no more just scrolling around on the internet for us here at the Sparring Partners Podcast. We, we, we have production value now in the form of Google Slides. So uh, Brad, if you want to go ahead and, uh, and get ready, we'll go ahead and take a look at our, uh, a longer look, because it just, it just messed up, uh, at our, the things we'll be looking at today. Uh, yeah yeah on today's episode of the sparring partners podcast we're taking a look at ufc fight island holloway cutter um we're also taking a look at ufc fight island kiesa magni which uh, i figured we'd say um you know we'd say a, a decent amount about uh but by our next episode it'll still be uh it still will have not happened yet so um if any news breaks as far as uh, more fights fall off or anything like that, um, you know, we'll keep you posted for the fight card. Um, And then uh, some bouts for UFC 258 and 259 got announced. And um, in a new segment, odds and ends. It's uh, all the news stories that, I don't know. All right. Let's uh let's get on with the show. So let's talk about uh, UFC Fight Night Holloway Cutter. Um, in the main event, let's uh move us on over to here. Um, in the main event, we of course have Max Holloway, former champion, taking on surging contender Calvin Cutter, um, but. Before we get to the main event, let's talk about some of the other fights in the card. And we will start with the prelims of note. Uh, prelims of note, they could be just like, huh, good. That could be fun. Or just things that, um, well, I mean, it, it's just the notes are our own and we'll maybe inform you of what they are. Uh, I included a couple. Um, Bill Hawes is back. Fresh off his 18-second knockout and his UFC debut, uh, Brad, this is why I included in this one. I was actually curious about your thoughts uh, about Phil Haas, Grant. We only saw him for 18 seconds, but does he seem like a guy who got a gift in his debut, or a guy that has a lot of upside?
1: a guy I don't know very much about. Like you said, we've only seen him for a few seconds. Um, In those seconds that we saw, looks like a guy that's got plenty of upside. So um, excited to see what he's got to bring to the table, Um, but he's largely an unknown. Big question mark coming into this, so we'll see what he can do.
0: Yeah, and he, you know, his first fight, I did hear some chatter about some favorable matchup uh, in his first bout, but when you immediately in your next bout get um, unheralded Russian, they're not doing you any favors, no. So, I'm really curious how how he comes out of this one. The other one I included, um, because I'm surprised it's on the prelims. You have Tom Breeze taking on Omari Akhmadov, uh, uh, mm-hmm. of course. Akhmadov, fresh off his uh, well, not fresh, it was a few months ago, but. He lost a decision to Chris Weidman in in Weidman's do-or-die fight. And Tom Breeze, uh, his last bout was a stoppage. Do you have any thoughts on on that prelim of note?
1: I am very excited about it. Tom Breeze, got a lot of hype behind him coming over from the UK. That's a guy that all the British dudes are talking about a lot. Um, Excited for it. Amari Ahmedov has become very, very solid, like, number 15 gatekeeper like he's the guy that you beat to get to get into the 10 to 15 range so if if tom breeze can get past him then he's looking at like a a 13 14 ranking and he can really start working through those middleweight rankings
0: yeah and you know that's the thing about really both men uh akhmadov and tom breeze uh they both are dudes who on paper seem to have it you know, the tools that you would want in a complete mixed martial artist. Tom Breeze is also massive. How he ever made 170 is a mystery to me. Um, Yeah, I'm curious because Tom Breeze, um, he's a well, both men, I would say, are well-rounders, or all-rounders, you know, Um, with slight edges in, you know, maybe Tom Breeze has a little bit better stand-up. Akhmadov is a is a little bit of a better grappler um, as is customary against, against a a man of, of uh, Eastern European descent, but um, it's not unthinkable to think that either man could win in the area. The other one's thought to have a strength. That's a, that's why, that's why I love the matchup.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, And then uh, Soriano takes on Dusko. Battle of the undefeated, as uh, as we say in uh, this game, and then any other game where people have win loss records, the O must go. Yeah. Um, you know there. I wish I would have watched some footage of Dusko, um, because if memory serves. There's a little bit of hype on that fella as well.
1: Yeah. Yeah. There is.
0: So yeah, I'm just both are relatively young and um if soriano is any indication this fight should be pretty fun yeah um joaquin buckley is back uh, yeah let's see if he can make it three in a row as far as stoppages yeah because honestly i don't know too much about alessio d rico yeah i don't either is that, I, this is actually the downside to not just floating around on the internet is that we could figure out who that guy is, but not going to bother. Yeah. I'd rather have a cleaner presentation.
1: Yeah, this is the better way to go. <laughs> uh,
0: and then Ponzanibio takes on Chi Liang Lee, Li. Dude.
1: Yeah, boy.
0: Dope, dope, dope. I was just, uh, I was just doing... Uh, a dude who Lee beat um, at UFC Beijing. I was doing his, his uh, you know, I was watching footage of him earlier today, and he fought, of course, he fought uh, Jing Li Ling, or, Jesus, Lee. And uh, every time, you, you kind of forget about Lee, until he's on the card and then you're like oh yeah china has produced weirdly enough a really hard-hitting welterweight
1: yeah and a guy that's like super durable like he gets in these like just these wars um yeah no that's that is going to be incredible i mean ponsonibio's record is like outrageous it's padded to some degree but like that is a stellar record i mean he's a guy that was on a roll was fighting in main events took out finished neil magny in his last fight um was i want to say number seven in the in the rankings when he was removed due to inactivity so um yeah that is like that could be your real co-main or even a main event on on a fight night card so I mean, uh, in three days later, Neil Magny is fighting in a main event, and in his last fight, Neil Magny was stopped by Ponzinibbio. So, um, Ponzinibbio is a guy that is like a real, real contender in that division. Um, Jiang Li is is like super durable. That fight is just going to be a banger. It's going to be great.
0: And then just a just a note for anyone watching the episode: the numbers by the people's names. Uh, I, I cut these out from tapology. These are the tapology rankings, not any sort of like official UFC or journalist rankings. It's the user generated tapology rankings. Um, so I am not sure what, so Ponsonibbio is no longer ranked at all.
1: He has been removed completely from the UFC ranking student activity quite a while ago. Yeah.
0: long has it been since he fought?
1: Two years I want to say. Um, like,
0: well, I did, you know, that's one of those things is that, um, in a sport like this where things change so quick and guys rise up so quick and fall off really quick. Um, you know, I hadn't, I just thought maybe he got lost in the shot. I forgot that he had gone away. Uh, I thought maybe he got honestly that three, the 27 and three is honestly, I'm having like a Mandela effect moment right now. Because I'm like, he had to have lost way more than just three times because he, yeah, uh, I, re- I thought I remembered him losing more than that, but um, that fight should be awesome. And then in the co-main event, we got two dudes who, I was just discussing this the other day, is there's very few guys now where I have an emotional attachment as to whether or not they do well or they lose um and really the only guys i feel that with are are dudes who, who i watched and looked up to growing up um and this is a fight where i feel the same way about both guys they're both guys that i would be emotionally involved watching the fight hoping that they come through um but maybe it'll soften whoever for whoever loses maybe it'll soften my emotions knowing that they lost to another old dog Mm -hmm. how do you feel about that co-main event
1: um in terms of matchmaking i mean it is good matchmaking i mean you're putting old dull steel against old dull steel but my only hope out of this is that they both retire regardless of what happens. I mean, Matt Brown had already retired. It just came out of retirement for this fight. Carlos Condit, while he did finally just give a nice win over um, Court McGee, he was on a really bad, long losing streak before that. Um, and he's been taking a lot of time off. He's old. He's taken a lot of brutal damage in his career. Um Love both the guys, but I, I really want Matt Brown to be done after this. And I would like Carlos Condit to also be done after this, or maybe maybe one more, um, but it'll be fun. It'll be a nice fun fight. Two old guys at the very end of their careers, give us you know, one more good, good performance. The, these guys, I put them both in the same category. We'll get there a little later um, as Diego Sanchez essentially who's, you know, been talking like one more and then I'm out of here.
0: Yeah, you know, I think it's, um, I think it's the next evolution in making the sport as safe as possible. Um, We've heard for years now that gyms have renovated the way that people train. Uh, Of course, there's still hard, there's still hard sparring in MMA. There's really no way to get away from hard sparring in mma um according to i mean i've never heard of a fighter who doesn't at least do one day a week um but these older fighters the ones who well i mean the ones who've looked after things enough to where at this point mma is just a thing they do and they've kind of they've kind of uh you know, throughout their career, they've solely transitioned into other businesses and other ways to make money. Um, and they just fight once a year. They just sort of like, yeah, I'll fight. Um, I'll fight every summer. That's what I'll do. And I think that's going to be uh, with, with older guys, maybe not the generation of Condit and Brown, but maybe just one generation behind them. I think we'll see a lot of older athletes that, you know, once they hit their mid forties, if it's a thing they want to do, they'll just do it once a year. They'll just, you know, they, they're not going to make like neither Carlos Condit and Matt Brown, neither one of themselves. I would imagine are thinking like, yeah, uh, this fight is the beginning of my climb back to contention. Yeah. No, they like. They're either doing it to make money, or they're doing it because they want to do it, or both. That's it. Yeah. Like, there's no, there's no striving to be best in the world at this point in the Condit Brown matchup. It's literally just like, we don't want to lose the opportunity to see some version of Carlos Condit versus Matt Brown before both men retire.
1: Yeah.
0: That's how that's how I feel about it. I mean, I I would have, if these guys would have never fought, well, I mean, we're not to Saturday yet, so cross your fingers because we're in COVID age. But assuming this fight happens on Saturday, if it will if it would have not happened, right? This is definitely a fight that, if I thought of missed fights in the welterweight division, Condit Brown, without a doubt, would be near the top of the list. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we'll see uh, whatever version of them shows up on Saturday, and I'm very excited. I'm very excited for it. Um, And, you know, uh, both men still helping make history, even at an older age and uh, not quite in the title hunt anymore. They're going to be the first ever co-main event on ABC. Yeah. So, and then that brings us to our main event. Uh, Max Holloway, Calvin Cutter. You have Holloway coming off of a razor-thin as close as close can be split decision loss to Volkanovsky and Cutter who has won three in a row four in a row yeah his last fight being Iggy yeah yep um how do you think this one goes down
1: um it's definitely going to be a banger I'm very excited for that fight um two young guys essentially I mean you you basically already have locked in it's not official yet but essentially locked in for March April time frame you're looking at Ortega and Volkanovsky so if you pencil that in if if Calvin Cater gets a big finish over Max Holloway then I would I would pencil him in as your next guy to fight the winner of, of that next title fight now if Max wins in all honesty, I don't think this does much for him. This just a little. This keeps him at number one, basically. Um, it 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 sets him up to fight another top featherweight like a like a Zabit or a Yair, yeah. right? Um, so Max, not necessarily that much to gain, but his his objective here is to hold the number one spot, um, and until Volkanovsky loses to someone, if and then and then like this could all be out the door if Volkanovski loses to Brian Ortega um and Max gets a nice win over Calvin Cater, then i mean that this could all change in an instant um but this division's very interesting with Max essentially your uncrowned king i mean i'm i'm still of the belief that he won the second fight and he is the best featherweight in the division um i know a lot of MMA fans feel that way so It's a situation of, like, he's until he can fight for the belt again, he's just going to just kill your contenders. He's going to sit there and kill all your contenders coming up. Um, But, hey, Calvin Cater gets a chance to take out the former champ on ABC Network Television. Huge opportunity earlier in the day. It's going to take place at around 5 p.m. on Saturday. Um, So, yeah, huge opportunity for everybody involved. Should be great.
0: Yeah, yeah, I um, I think that you're exactly right. As far as Holloway's really just fighting to keep his place in the line. I mean, I and and also let's be honest, Max Holloway, unless he goes on a huge skid, is never going to be too far away.
1: No, he's a favorite. He's a a favorite child of the UFC, much like Joanna is is always like he has a huge fan following too like he's he's the guy
0: yeah yeah and for cutter i mean cutter not that he's not a super fun guy to watch but there's just there's just something there's just some fighters that hey man he even if he goes out here and starches holloway Uh, I don't think he has very much casual appeal, you know what I mean. And, I mean, his marquee win is over Dan Ige. So, this is a huge, huge opportunity for Calvin Cutter to at least cut through the noise. Um, Because, I mean, he's going to have a little bit of time between – when this bout takes place and when Volkanovski is going to be ready or, or Hall or uh, Ortega would be ready to defend. So while in a perfect world, a win over Max Holloway would put him in title contention. Who knows? Who knows? Um, But yeah, you know, Max Holloway really, really needs this win. Because if he doesn't, if he if he does not win, I don't even know where you go from there. I don't know where you go from there. Honestly, it's not an easy road for Holloway either way it goes. Because as long as, like you said, as long as Volkanovski is champion, uh, Holloway is not getting another shot. I, I mean, Holloway would have to go on the craziest run ever, to get another shot at Volkanovski. And that's not even because the UFC would be been unwilling. And that's not even because the fans would be unwilling to watch it. Volkanovski is very clear. He's like, I am 2-0. It's not, it's a non-issue. I'm 2-0. I don't want to fight him again. Mm-hmm. And from Volkanovski's perspective, that's pretty understandable. I mean, there's, it's not a rubber match. It's just giving Holloway another chance. So, yeah, I mean, I, even though a lot of people think that he won, unfortunately for Holloway, whatever's on paper is ultimately what matters. And so, he's yeah, he's got a long road ahead if, if, if Volkanovski does not lose his next defense.
1: Yeah.
0: So, uh, that is Holloway Cutter. There's some other prelims and stuff, but I figured that this would be the best way um, to just include the ones that are of note and not be, um, and not just look at a page of names and just be like, I don't know fuck that is. <laughs> All right. Next, for Wednesday, another card on Fight Island. Michael Chiesa, Neil Magny. And this is another, this is going to be a fun fight card. Because when I look at cards like this, and I look at a bunch of people, as a fan who watches literally every card and every fight on every card, and, and then I look at the card that's to come, and I'm like, I don't know who half these people are. I usually can expect a banger of a card. Um, So, I had a couple prelims of note to get things started. We had Tyson Nam and Matt Schnell. I included this. This is of note to me because I think that fight is going to be bonkers.
1: Well, sweet. This is going to be your time to shine because I have no input on anything other than the main event. I know Two people outside of the main event on this entire card. I have I I got nothing. I'm just gonna sit down on Wednesday and let the fights wash over me on the rare Wednesday card.
0: Okay. Well all right, I'll do my best. Yes. But we're gonna revisit. Season. No, no, no. We're revisiting this on Monday. We're gonna yeah. revisit it on Monday because by then I will have watched tape on the card. Not the whole card, the pre ones And I will have well, we'll we'll have this in two parts. Um, Tyson Nam and Matt Schnell are both there's a the, there is a, a fair amount Actually, weird enough, I did not mean to pick two flyweight bouts as my my prelims of note. Um, Tyson Nam and Matt Schnell, I just picked that fight because both dudes are known to get in some pretty crazy fights, especially Tyson Nam. Um, Stu Madagiri is – I can't remember his last fight, but he got like – a 30-second KO. It was so fast, and he hit so hard for flyweight, so I put him on there, and also, it was really weird. Uh, Zaruk Adeshev must be coming in from a different sport, because if he's not, dude, this is some of the craziest matchmaking I've ever seen in the UFC. Yeah. Because Madagiri legit got one of the best KOs at flyweight I've ever seen in his last fight and now he's fighting a dude who's three and two yeah
1: there's not a lot of fighters in the UFC with a three and two record I mean compare that against this Douglas Andrade character right above him with this insane 26 and three record
0: (laughs) yeah yes well that's it that is honestly that is one thing about shallower weight classes that i've noticed is the ufc is a little bit more forgiving uh, when it comes to your record you know like if you tried to if you wanted to be a uf if you want to be a ufc lightweight and you came knock on the door and you're like i'm six and six yeah. behind me they'd be like "No, get out of here but if you're a if you are a women's featherweight.
1: You may be the only person that showed up.
0: <laughs> no, I mean, if you're, I mean, even if you're a women's bantamweight. I'm six and six. By God, you're a UFC athlete. Get in here. Be the bodies. Um, yeah. So, oh, or a heavyweight for that matter. Sure. Mm, I mean, what's his name? I mean, Juan Adams. Juan that's, Adams, yeah that's, yeah, that's that's all I gotta say. Yeah. Listen, Juan Adams, he came in, he swung hard, he did his best.
1: Let us not forget the classic Christian Warcraft uh, That's that's,
0: <laughs> a, that's, <laughs> deep that's
1: a deep Mc, cut. When Sean McCorkle requested the worst heavyweight that the UFC had,
0: oh, oh he Sean <laughs> and, and he Sean beat McCorkle. Sean McCorkle. He beat him. He stopped him. Yeah, I mean, Sean McCorkle, for that matter. I mean, Sean McCorkle. The only good thing... Well, I mean, not good, because I, I have Mark Hunt. I love Mark Hunt. We saw Mark Hunt get his arm broken live. Yep. By arguably one of the lamest UFC heavyweights of all time. Yeah. McCorkle. Yep. Oh, God, he's from our state. Yeah. Um. Warley Alves is on the card. Yeah. I yeah hope that know.
1: was one of the two names I knew. It's it's Roxy and Warley. Those are the two people that I'm familiar
0: with on this card. Um and Modiferi is either gonna roll this person with less fights or Vivian Araujo is supposed to be really good.
1: Um yeah. <laughs> one or the other.
0: It's one or the other. That's the kind of expert that's the kind of expert analysis you can expect from the sparring partners podcast uh leon murphy okay. again leon murphy is either, <laughs> is, is either really good at nine and oh douglas andrage is getting 27 and three after wednesday nice. okay In all seriousness, what do you think about the main event? Let's just cut to the chase.
1: There we go. What do you
0: think of the main event? Go on.
1: Main event. Um, Exciting fight at Welterweight. So Welterweight's been kind of weird over this past year. Um, I feel like the top of it's been kind of inactive. I mean, you have Colby and Jorge that have both been essentially radio silent since summer. Um, they're presumed to be fighting each other at some point. Um, then you got Usman booked against Burns. That's about it. I mean, Welterweight, you just had uh, Wonder Boy get a nice win, taking out a lower-ranked guy. Um, other than that, Welterweight essentially has just been stagnant all year. Um, so I'm just excited to get – I mean, one of these guys – are going to be like an established top ten welterweight after this. Uh, Neil Magny again has fallen into kind of a a gatekeeper position of like the top ten, basically like he just holds the holds the door for the top ten. Quiesso um, went on that he had a nice run at lightweight, but hit a hit a rough patch at the end, and so he switched it up and went up to welterweight. He's had a really good run there so far, but also. A lot of his, a lot of his bigger wins, have been against some of these older guys that are on their way out, like a Carlos Condit. Um, so I'm, I'm excited to see what he does against Neil Magny, who is a guy considered to be, he's not necessarily young, but he's still in his prime, I would think, or closer to it. Um, so it should be a highly competitive fight. Um, Neil Magny can still put on a good fights. So, uh, yeah, I'm excited. That that's a that's a good fight.
0: Yeah, it's a really weird main event, to be honest. I mean, we, we, uh, we'll see later in odds and ends. Uh, there was a certain fighter who, who requested to replace um, the injury, right? Uh, looked, a, looked a, offered to fight. Um, it was either Magny oh. or... Yeah, so we'll see in the headline. But uh, but yeah, a weird main event, one that I fully expect to go all five rounds, that's immediately what i thought um because both men are relatively tall both men are lanky neither man has i would say that magni magni has in my mind a pretty clear-cut stand-up advantage uh as far as activity movement and use of his use of his weapons uh he's really he his striking game is really well adapted to his body type Yeah. Uh, in a way that Michael Chiesa isn't. Michael Chiesa, I, I think of primarily as a grappler. Yeah. And Unfortunately for Michael Chiesa, Neil Magny is a fantastic grappler. And, well, grappler is probably the wrong word. A fantastic grinder. Mm-hmm. Uh, Magny's down to bounce around and jab your face but he's also down to grind against the cage. Um, So really, it's going to be a matter, in my mind, can Kiesa overwhelm Magny, and if he can't, he's going to lose a decision. That's how I feel about it. Yeah, Um, I agree with that. So that's how I feel about the main event. I think it's going to be a fun watch. I think it'll err on the side of strategic i don't see it being necessarily a uh you know no. i i don't see it being hermanson vittori no it being more like uh Usman, well a newsman fight yeah <laughs> that's it you know um so I, I am excited about it. And actually, like I said at the start of this, I'm excited for the whole card because I really do, um, when I don't know the fighters very well or I'm not as familiar with them, it's a, it's a it's a card stacked full of fresh faces. You know, I used to think that it was because all the fighters in the car, they're trying to prove something or whatever. But in reality, it's just because my my you know, a Wednesday card headlined by Michael Chiesa and Magny. I'm just happy there are fights on a Wednesday.
1: Yeah, sorry. I do like...
0: You know, like, I'm down for whatever happens, to be honest. And yeah. there's some really great fights on this card. We got a light heavyweight contest. Those are usually fun. They're like, they have the... I like light heavyweights. Because they have the danger of a heavyweight with the gas tank of not a heavyweight. So they're usually pretty good. Um my, honestly, I'm always down to watch Mod Uh she is just for whatever reason, she has like this feeling of like a, a feel-good story. Win, lose, or draw. I come away from a Motta fight being like, man, she set a goal and she did it. Okay. <laughs> like you just never, you never expect her to win. She's constantly underestimated, and uh, it feels good watching her win. And then, of course, Warley Alves. I, I'm a huge fan of the dude. He's so explosive. Uh, you know, he hasn't quite been the same since Novitski and the gang came into the house, but let's hope he can turn that around um you know i uh it really sucks because even though i just kind of threw it out there i also think that it's true yeah so it really sucks because warley Alves used to be a guy who i was fanat- like level 10 excited about
1: i mean he has a win you know, over- a lot of potential early on
0: Am I wrong on that? It no. seems wrong. Yeah, he won. He he beat Covington. He stopped him, right? Uh,
1: yeah. Well, one one person stopped him. Was that? Or I don't know if that was alvez but some somebody stopped him. It was a guillotine. Me. Yeah,
0: it was a guillotine. I think you. Had, uh... All right, we'll move past it. But Warley Alves. Yeah, look at it. Look it up. Look yeah. it up for the people.
1: Was, it was Warley Alves' submission. Warley Alves' submission, UFC 194 in 2015. First submission, too. 2015. Yeah. Okay. And that was uh, his only loss other than the Usman loss.
0: Wow. Man, good for Alves. Okay. Well, you know, I think that probably I'll include this slide next week. As we look yeah. the card, maybe, maybe we can each come up with like some more details and some of the undercard that, that we're excited about. Um, but yeah, we'll go ahead and move on. There were a couple of fights that were announced, uh, and the first one is Usman Burns made official. Um, the rest of the card looks awesome as well. This lineup of fights, I even, uh, you know, we got a six-fight main card headlined by Kamaru Usman facing down Gilbert Burns. Finally, finally. Um, Macy Barber in the co-main event. Alexa Grasso. That's a really great fight, and it's really weird that I feel like Macy Barber got a – she got an upgrade, in opponent, even though she lost her last fight. Weird to me. Um, Weidman taking on Uriah Hall in a, in a rematch of a regional fight where Hall got knocked out by Chris Weidman. Uh, Kelvin Gastelum is back to fighting just normal dudes he oh. Ian Hynish. Um Rodolfo Vieira, a dude with a ton of hype on him, takes on contender series vet Anthony Hernandez. And Pedro Munoz takes on Jimmy Rivera in a fight that I am certain is going to be fun to watch. Brad, how do you feel about uh, that main event?
1: Uh, and then it's going to be excellent. Um, Gilbert Burns is a guy that every once in a while, there'll be a guy that comes into a division and like, gets like one or two wins. And he's like the number one contender, like, uh, like Darren Till, like Darren Till uh, cuts his teeth at, at welterweight. And then he goes up to middleweight has one fight and then is ranked like at number three. So Gilbert Burns is a guy that, did all his work at lightweight and then comes up to welterweight and then out of nowhere, you know, gets, gets two wins. He, he beats Maya. And then all of a sudden he's, he's fighting Woodley and then just murks him. And then all of a sudden he's the new number one contender out of nowhere. Um, you know, hasn't fought anyone else in the top 10, uh, but here's the thing. Usman's already obliterated most of this division and very dominantly with his dominant style. Gilbert Burns is Clearly, uh, the most interesting matchup against Gooseman in that division. You know, former teammate, a guy that's well-rounded. It's just, it's going to be great. I mean, Gooseman's obliterated most of that top 170 already. Um, And everybody up there seems to be a lot of specialists still at 170. Um, Gilbert Burns is more of a well-rounded guy. Um, So. Very excited for that main event, should be great.
0: Do you know who moved camp?
1: Burns.
0: Burns, where did he go? Do you know?
1: I did, um, but I, I don't remember. Is uh, back when he, he he had mentioned it back when he was supposed to be fighting um, in the in the Masvidal spot. Um,
0: mm-hmm. Okay. But
1: now okay. I, I don't remember off the top of my head.
0: Right, so this fight was made official. And, um, of course, um, when we get closer to this, it takes place February 13th. We'll go into more detail on the card. Um, But the other fight that was announced to top three, count them, three title fights in a single night, um, it's finally official. We thought it was official. It was not official. But now it is. Uh, Jan Blachowicz taking on. Middleweight champion Izzy Adesanya, yeah. So, um, yeah, we thought it was official before, but uh, it turns out it wasn't, but now it is. And uh, dude, dude, this is a great fight, and it's one that in my mind is really not a foregone conclusion because the arc for Blockovitz. Is to be underestimated, and he certainly is in this one. People are just uh, the the general feeling, the the momentum of the universe for Israel Adesanya seems to be he's going to win it, and that seems to be when Blachowicz wins. Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: So yeah. I'm, super excited also uh get ready go ahead and go ahead and buy your your monster energy drinks uh because there's going to be a light one
1: got three four champions fighting on one card three title fights um i fully expect some of those to go to decision um
0: oh i expect all of them to go to decision
1: it's gonna be a long one yeah
0: um yeah, actually, you know what? Um, if you had to pick one not to go to decision, which one do you pick?
1: Oof. maybe Peter Jan and Aljamain Sterling. Yep, me too. Uh, um, probably, yeah. Yeah, I, I, really, I really think highly of Sterling's ground game, and I just haven't seen Peter Jan um, aggressively – to defend takedowns and work off his back. So um, I think it'd be very interesting. I'm yeah, excited then, that got rebooked.
0: And then the rest of that main card.
1: Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah only two more fights. It's crazy.
0: But uh the fact that Dominic Cruz is fighting Casey Kenny, that's a really weird matchup to me, man. Yeah, it's I, really a missed opportunity. Him. I feel like there's just more than a couple other fights that would have made sense for Cruz other than a young dude who while really good didn't necessarily have like a signature win because so, in my mind Dominic Cruz is still a dude where you you get a signature win and then you get a chance to get a signature win over Dominic Cruz.
1: Yeah.
0: And Casey Kinney I mean, he's, he's super good. He's really yeah. good. But I think it's more a test of is Cruz slowing down rather than how good is Casey Kinney. Uh, that may be unfair, but that may be unfair to Casey Kenny. But, um, yeah, that, that's just how I feel about it.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. And then... Tiago Santos is more than likely going to lose a decision to Rakic.
1: I might actually have him get knocked out by Rakic, honestly.
0: No, see, this is how I feel about it. If Rakic didn't want to stand with like a reasonably shattered Anthony uh, Smith, he sure as shit does not want to stand with Tiago Santos.
1: Racic starts throwing those leg kicks like savagely at those weak knees of Thiago Santos. They will be blasted to oblivion. Ah, see,
0: off. see, you thought of the weak knees of Santos. I thought of the lack of fighting off his back of yeah. Santos. So really, it could be either. I, <laughs> I mean, it could be it either.
1: either honestly. I mean,
0: it could be either or or both. We don't know, but I, but yeah, I think we're both on the same page as yeah. far as who we think's gonna win in that one. Um, but again, there's another, there's another thing. We'll save it for later, um, and let's get into the odds and ends. All right, first of the odds and ends, uh, and and just uh, just for credit' sake got all of these from MMA Fighting, just to, just to put it out there. I, I forgot I forgot to include any MMA Fighting logos anywhere, but it's all from MMA Fighting. Uh, Ioana Jacek lays out ideal scenario for UFC return, more money, although in the article she uh, reaffirms over and over she's very happy with the UFC uh but she does say that she feels she's earned a little bit she is owed a little bit more because of how you know her standing in the company and the standing with fans and the performances that she gives uh title shot and fans um yeah how how realistic do you think that is Uh, specifically the title shot part
1: Uh, i think all that's totally realistic i'm fine with all of it um this is a situation where it changes weight class to weight class. Certain people this year in certain weight classes, um, it, it benefited them greatly to stay active, to make themselves be seen, to continue to put on good performances so they're not lost in the shuffle and they remain relevant. All of that is basically, none of that applies to women's strawweight. You have Ioana who fought for the belt in February of last year. Since then, essentially that entire weight class has just gone dormant. You've got the champion who can't fight, and, and uh, the, from what Dana's saying, it's looking like we're only going to get her one fight from her this year also. So um, we're looking like, so she's, she's out. Uh, Ariel said something about that on his show um, the other day, that it's looking like we're only going to get her to fight once this year. Did she so get do up
0: did she get injured
1: no I think it's just with with her lockdown and her how they are in China with oh, her because um, Dana was talking about his his one fight for her he wants to do it in Asia okay. uh, so that's interesting but, but the thing is so champion has not been active the no number one I mean Rose fought andraj and then Andraj left the division so like, sure, maybe Rose has established herself as an longer tender. Other than that, like, no one of note has done anything in that division. Ioana is in a, a situation where she can literally do nothing. She can sit on the sidelines for a year and a half and walk right back in, and her next fight could, should absolutely be for the title. Against Rose, you got a built-in story, and against Waley, you got a built-in story. It's like, you know, what's the point in Joanna coming back and just fighting somebody? It, yeah, there's no point in to just fighting a number six girl, you know, like uh, 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 Michelle Watterson to, to, you know, re- reaffirm herself. People know Ioana. She is, like, the Max Holloway of that division. Like, she's she's good. She can just chill and, yeah, later in the year I say she fights. She comes back. Her next fight is the winner of um, jean Wayne Lee and Rose.
0: Yeah, actually, you bringing that up about Wei Lee not really being able to leave Asia. I know the UFC has played with setting up apexes, not a, not apexes. Um, PIs. With PIs. I actually think that it could be a really great strategy for them to set up apexes.
1: Yeah.
0: Along with them
1: and do remote shows out of them
0: yeah yeah, I think it would be really cool you do micro cards you could do regional shows out of them I think it would be pretty cool Um, then the next story Leon Edwards says uh, the UFC declined his offer to fight Michael Chiesa or Neil Magny on January 20th dude what do you think is going on with Edwards man
1: here's the thing I'm fine with this for one simple reason I think the UFC looked at this and they said, "Okay, what we had on the table before was Leon Edwards versus Hamzat Shamayev, a huge fight. It's going to have all kinds of eyes on it. Hamzat's already got over a million followers on Instagram. Leon Edwards doesn't even have 100K yet. So they're thinking, okay, big numbers. We all win. Either guy that wins, we get something big to work with out of that. That falls apart. So then they go, okay, we can have Leon Edwards fight as we previously discussed you know, quote-unquote, boring, presumably boring matchups against Leon Edwards versus PSF or Leon Edwards versus Neil Magny, and you can have them fight at 1 p.m. on a Wednesday when everyone's at work, no eyes are going to be on it live, and it's going to be on ESPN Plus. And it's, like, basically that, that like, forget any, any possible hype you could have built out of Leon Edwards. So they're looking at it like, okay, let's wait a couple weeks. You put Leon Edwards versus Hamzat in a main event on a prominent fight night card, you know, prime time. It's it's just the better move. So I get it. That's fine with me.
0: Yeah. You put it like that. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. I just feel Leon Edwards is the perfect combination of bad luck and poor choices.
1: Yes, absolutely.
0: I mean, it's, it I is. It uh, is. It's like Rashad Evans in two thousand eight. Uh, minus blowing out his knee. <laughs> it's yeah. like, God, dude, that is just cool. Yeah. Um, I'll start with the bottom one. Justin Gaethje likely to fight Charles Oliveira next. Um, yeah. I hate this.
1: I also hate this because it's just... I I, I get it, though. I, I hate it, and I get it.
0: They're yeah, looking at it, it.
1: like... Olivera to me clearly in that win over Tony Ferguson established he, he should be one half of the vacant lightweight title fight in my eyes but I get it some people say okay well he just destroyed a Tony that just got destroyed by Gaethje so they say well now you beat the guy that beat Tony that's fine and all but you have Gaethje coming off and getting obliterated by Khabib and I'm like man you're your standing is not the same. And then, and we'll just go right to it. Let's say they go ahead and book that fight. Son, I got Justin Gagey getting submitted in a couple of minutes. His ground game looked so horrible against Khabib. I think the moment it touches the ground, he gets submitted in an instant against Charles Oliveira.
0: I, I, I mean, I just think Oliveira should be a little bit more vocal here, Really. Because uh, you put on a performance like that against Tony Ferguson, I am of the mind he should not be fighting anyone except the winner of Honor Poirier.
1: Yeah, you're right. Like, you like no,
0: he, like, it makes no sense to, to possibly squander the incredible run that Oliveira is on on a fight with a guy who's probably going to need another win even if he does beat Oliveira, yep. to fight for a belt yeah to because... me this
1: feels like a big distraction to kill time with them while we get this uh michael chandler fight roll I, I feel like they got a lot of chips on if michael chandler can be beat- no oh, weird it's very strange, it's but strange. I, for whatever reason, Chandler. they're really gambling on if Michael Chandler can get a big win and have all these eyeballs on him under under the Connor fight, but whatever. I don't know. It's weird.
0: Dude, I, it's really weird that... Does any. I mean, actually, you know what? I mean, I guess you could say the same thing about really most athletes not named Conor McGregor. But like, do people really know who who Michael Chandler is? No. Like, yeah, yeah. Do they? But that, but again, as I was about to ask that question, that's why I said it. You know, your average person doesn't know who Charles Oliveira or Justin Gaethje or any one of these people are, anyway. So I mean, I guess, I guess,
1: can at least speak English, which Charles Oliveira doesn't have.
0: And we've gotten to the bottom of it. There we go. All right. And uh, the next one, Dana White sees mostly downside to open scoring in MMA. Now, this is for, this is one of those cyclical discussions we have in MMA. There's like, should weight cutting go away?
1: Yeah. yeah. Should,
0: should, uh, should we have mandatory challengers and whatever? Should we? And now this one's back again. Should we have open scoring in MMA? And I've seen some people make some really, like Dana White here in this article. They make really bad arguments.
1: Yeah, because you did. You the, did really. It's, it's not a good. It's not strong. It's
0: a, strong a terrible argument. argument, and it's the same argument I've seen from a couple different people in MMA. Is what about the drama? What about the drama of the fight? You know, you're sitting there and you don't know who's going to be named the winner at the end of the fight. Like, that's not what we're talking... We're not talking about drama. We're talking about, like, a dude needs to know if he's getting boned.
1: Yeah, transparency, not drama.
0: If he needs to rally, he can rally. Yeah. And it's not just like, well, I hope I won. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's, it's a... But then you still have the drama and open scoring. Mm-hmm. You still get a one one round. Of, they don't like the fight doesn't just end and they go, yeah, round three went to this guy and then they hold someone. It's still they ready. Walk out. <laughs> okay? like it, it's the drama still exists. It's just like the fighters can know what the situation is. Yeah, and I know that I know that there is the argument of, hey, if a guy is up two rounds and he knows he's up two rounds, by God, that round three is going to be boring as hell. I mean, maybe. And but
1: the, in that we get that as it is.
0: Yeah, but the, yeah, but the dude who knows for sure he's down two. I am gonna imagine that guy's gonna go for broke in round three. Yeah. So, yeah, man, I just feel like it's some bad faith arguments. I'm not, I'm not even saying that I want open scoring. I'm just saying if we're gonna talk about whether or not we want open scoring, let's have the actual conversation, which is is it good for the sport, not the show? No one is saying they want open scoring. Because it's a better show, yeah. That yeah, it's a uh, just bad arguments, bad arguments everywhere. All right, some quick ones. Kind of in a similar vein to Oliveira fighting, um, similar vein to fighting. Yes, Christ. Before he gets a title shot, Robert Whitaker is definitely going to have to fight again. Um, Dana White kind of going back on his word after Robert Whitaker's most recent win where he was like, well, I mean, he's pretty much, he's a guy. Uh, Now he's changed his tune. He's going to have to win again. Uh, In my mind, what that means is Whitaker is going to have to win an interim title?
1: Man, that's the problem with, like, the, the closer we get to this fight with Blahovic, I'm like, what's the point? Because Izzy's not planning to stay at light heavyweight. You've got a guy, at, you've got number one contenders at both those weight classes ready to go. Um, so it's just whatever. It's fine. Like, obviously, Whitaker's going to have to fight somebody else if Izzy's not even fighting in the weight class right now. Uh, but I also think it's 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 like totally useless to put an interim belt on him or on Whitaker versus anyone because what what are you doing with an interim belt other than saying oh you're the number one contender when Izzy comes back it's like just you know whatever just have him fight somebody in a normal fight and just that's it.
0: Yeah, yeah I mean I'm I'm with you on it is like, The champ champ stuff is all fine and, you know, it's all good. And it's a thing that gets people excited, especially casuals. Um, But it's just more trouble than it's worth, man. It just muddies the waters for months, if not a full year at these weight classes. Because not only do these fighters have to, you know, abandon their division, possibly lose to a guy who is not in their division. Because, like, win, lose, or draw, Blachowicz isn't going anywhere. He's still going to be in the light heavyweight division. So you have a situation where, yeah, maybe he gets knocked out by Izzy, a dude who, yeah, has stated he's not a light heavyweight, doesn't want to stay the light heavyweight. So it's entirely possible that Blachowicz gets stopped or at least beaten by Adesanya, and then just his next fight is for the light heavyweight belt that Adesanya yeah. just vacated. Yeah. yeah, it just makes no sense. It makes no sense because neither guy has really cleaned their division out. No, well, so, We
1: just got here, <laughs> and we were yeah. we just got over John, and it just seems it seems counterproductive, but whatever.
0: Well, next is a real quick one. Van Zant finally gets her bare knuckle FC um, debut date. Her debut. She's fighting on their their Super Bowl card. Um, yeah, no brainer. All I can say is, because bare knuckle yeah. FC, I don't know what yeah. kind of. I've. I'm not a fan. No. Oh, um, yeah. Dana White warns of the illegal streamers of Conor McGregor's UFC 257 comeback. Apparently, they're cooking up something good over the UFC when it comes to busting illegal streams. Um, Brad, like you, I'm already sweating in my hoodie. Uh, I don't know what kind of tech wizardry they got going on over the UFC, but Dana White thinks it's some next-level stuff.
1: I don't know. We've heard this before. It seems like every time Conor or Khabib fights, they go around and they, they cut down all the streams. And the next weekend, oh, when David Figueredo's is like, yeah, the streams are back up again. They're not too concerned when it's
0: well, yeah, I than anybody else. Well, it's a it's it's a you know, it's a it's a cost it's a cost benefit analysis. Like when Figueredo fights. You know, the the ESPN deal, uh, from what's been reported, they get an automatic, like, whatever the price would be for 500,000 buys. Yeah. So, chances are they're not coming close to that for Frigureta. Nah. Best case scenario, they're not coming close to that. So, why does it matter if people stream it? When Conor McGregor fights, though, They're looking to exceed like 1.5 million. So
1: raise pay-per-view prices again.
0: Yeah, they're they're looking they're looking to like break records with McGregor. Yeah. So if a sizable amount of people are watching via an illegal stream, that's the difference between a record breaking number and like just a big pay-per-view. So I get it. I get it. Because they probably get more benefit people just seeing who Figueredo is. Like, just getting eyebrows on him. Yeah. Um, So, because the UFC gets paid regardless. But in a Conor McGregor fight, the UFC is looking to get paid. So... Uh. The last last little bits of the odds and ends. Uh, Diego Sanchez announces that his next bout is more than likely his last um not too surprising Yeah, no. i That's mean yeah i mean it should his last win was a dq so yeah cool i, I mean I, I i wish he would have done this a while ago yeah um just kind of a highlight on a piece i read today it came out today cost of being the king um Stephen Morocco of MMA Fighting did a profile piece on Spencer Fisher. Uh, I recommend wholeheartedly recommend reading it. It is heartbreaking. It is um, really Spencer Fisher is a dude that we grew up watching and you knew if, if Spencer Fisher was on the card, uh, you were going to have fun for 15 minutes or however long the fight lasted. And uh the piece illustrates um the price he is currently paying for that. Um yeah, it was it was hard to read, man. It was really hard to read. Yeah. So but I recommend that people uh who care about the sport and care about the fighters in the sport, please read it and get a snapshot of some of the things uh fighters go through. Uh, after um, a career like this, it, yeah. it's uh, yeah, man, it, it was awesome, awesome piece. Highly recommend it. And then uh, we missed this last week because we were on our 12 day New Year celebration. But uh, as we already kind of, we probably already brought it up earlier in the show, Michael Chandler takes on Dan Hooker. That is official. Um, very excited for that fight.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's a big, big one for Michael Chandler. Um, God, I mean, Dan Hooker's horrible matchup. I, I feel like the, the way to get this done, what would have been to, to make the Michael Chandler versus Tony Ferguson fight earlier um, before Ferguson fought Olivera, uh, a much more winnable fight in my mind than a young savage Dan Hooker player. Uh, That is really going to put it on Michael Chandler. I mean, Michael Chandler is small for lightweight, and Dan Hooker is huge for lightweight. Uh, Yeah, that should be a great fight. We'll see what uh, (laughs) we're going to see what Michael Chandler is all about right out of the gate.
0: Yeah, the first thing that comes to mind is Chandler getting his legs kicked off. I just, I just don't see it going any other way, to be honest. Because Dan Hooker (laughs) is he needs to wrestle a lot. He
1: should. He should, yeah.
0: Because Dan Hooker doesn't – Dan Hooker's not a guy who – I mean, Michael Chandler hits really hard, so it's not like it's impossible. But Dan Hooker is not a guy who typically gets shut off.
1: Yeah.
0: So if you're against Dan Hooker for five rounds and you're the shorter man – You're in big trouble for all the moments that you are not hanging on them. So, yeah, dude, that's a, that is a rough, that's a rough go for your debut. So, but I mean, hey, look at it, look at it this way. There's not many hot prospects, like dudes who have a name from outside of the UFC. That win their debut
1: yeah
0: hardly ever yeah um who is it shields
1: eddie alvarez
0: alvarez yeah um melendez yeah yeah it's not even a dude who even dudes who are super experienced typically don't win their ufc debut Mm -mm. uh it's really weird But they they typically don't. So it's not really necessarily like if Michael Chandler loses um, he's shot or anything. I I still expect him to be a factor at 55 for a little bit at least. So, but yeah, um, that's the show. That's all I got.
1: Yeah, boy. Back at it. New year, 2021 coming in hot.
0: New yeah it's it, going yeah. down well um brad do you have any more thoughts before we get out of here
1: i got nothing Same. glad to have fights back once again yeah
0: me too man well i am whooped from the 12-day new year celebration that just ended to get ended today um so my name is Tony mckinley that was brad jones